it's so encouraging to be part of a church that uh, is prayed up. Yesterday uh, morning, there was about 35 people that gathered here for what was the beginning of a prayer breakfast, an opportunity for us to pray for our church, to pray for a campaign that's coming, but really to pray for unity and the faithfulness of God's people. And it was, it was an exciting time. And I'd like to say that I think that it's the beginning of something that's much greater. And if you weren't here, we missed you. And uh, 35 people is maybe about 10% of this congregation, including all the kiddies. And there were some kids here yesterday. And so, um, like very, very much, the next one we're having is November the 18th. It's going to be um, a time of prayer. It will be longer. It, you'll have opportunity to come and to go to be part of that. You'll be receiving more information about that, but November the 18th. And it, it would be my prayer that we would have um, more like 60 or 70 of us that would be part of that event. So I just really want to encourage you um, to come and to be, to be part of that. Before we come out here Sunday mornings, there's a group that's praying for what's going on here this morning. And so it's always great just to kind of go into the prayer room We've got some people that join us by Zoom, and we have our worship team that joins us there. I'd invite any of the rest of you who'd like to join us, and that usually happens at different times, but about 20 to 10, that happens in our prayer room just over here. So just, I would throw that out, out there to you. So I have, I have a few minutes where I want to share about a topic that is, is really quite near and dear to my heart. And partly the reason for that is, is that for me as a pastor, for me as an individual, I have been the recipient of other people's generosity, and I have been the recipient of God's grace being poured out on me. And so how can I be anything but excited about the opportunity to talk about one of the things that Jesus talks probably more about than many other things, and that is about uh, generosity and being generous. Uh, this Sunday, we're going to talk about how being generous makes no sense. And then next Sunday, we're going to talk about how generosity makes total sense. So you'll be able to figure that out as we kind of work through these things. Uh, we're entering into a, a Pay It Forward campaign with the official launch being Saturday, October the 28th, with our Pay It Forward commitment dinner. It starts at 5.30. It'll be here in Evergreen Hall. It will be like a... a, a a sandwich bar, it's, it's, it's not a buffet, there's not hors d'oeuvres. Um, you'll have the opportunity of coming for these uh, sandwiches and desserts, followed by a, a program with separate activities for the kids. It's not an extravagant dinner. Really felt that this time was a little bit different. And so just really want to make that clear to you. It'll be, I, I hear it's ideal for families. And um, there'll be this separate program that, that our kids will be involved in. It is so helpful for us to be able to have as many people in the room at the same time so we can talk about this information. We can share what it is that we want to see happen and how God is directing us and moving us in the future. We can have one-on-one -on -one conversations, happy to do that. But it just helps us as we talk about this. And it takes about seven times for this to find a lodging place in your brain. We've been talking actually about our, uh, our debt and where we've been for um, several months. Um, but it takes a while for that to sort of find a spot and how that impacts us. 
So it'd be helpful if you'd be able to come be part of that. There's a sign up, go to our webpage and it'll show you how to do that. We'd love for you to be there. Uh, there's no charge for that, for that evening. Um, the idea of this campaign is, is that we consider how we can contribute to pay down our debt that we incurred while we were renovating our facility after the tornado so that we can free ourselves up for ministry for the future. So this idea of paying it forward. Many of us have had the luxury of coming into a facility that has been renewed and refreshed. There's been about 75 to 100 people that have joined our congregation over the last three or four years. We're so excited that you're here. Many people have bore the responsibility to help pay for that, and a good chunk was given in the first campaign. Really, um, like any budget, the debt came from having more expenses than income. Most of you know that. Most of you know that in your own budget, that if you spend more than you have coming in, then you're going to have debt. And a part of that problem was is that COVID dealt us a double blow of higher prices for our materials and as well as our labor. Many of you know that. We also, when tradespeople were in, it was much more economical for us to use them to fix other things that have been let go for a little while. Many of you would not see that. Some of that was infrastructure things. And so what we've done is we were able to secure, secure a mortgage that is, covers our debt plus some expenses that we helped pay for out of other funds that we had in our church. And we borrowed those, we used those to pay for expenses over here. And now what we've done is when we've taken out this mortgage, we've put that money back into those accounts because that's where it should be. And so for the total of everything that we spent over what came in, our mortgage is $780,000. Many of you would know that already. Plus, as we plan this campaign, we put aside $20,000 to help us to manage that. We have a coach that helps us to uh, think through these things, helped us with the very successful um, um, campaign that we had before, the New Horizons campaign. They're not here to run the campaign. We have a, a, a great and excellent team that is running the campaign. The campaign will be much more than freeing us from our debt. It will be an exercise in stretching us to follow where God leads us, to truly trust him. For some of us, we'll be moving into uncharted waters as we walk forward in faith, as we make pledges of support that fully rely on God providing to help us be generous. At a future time, I think that God is leading me to share with you how Julie and I processed this. And this campaign is totally different than the other campaign. And I, I loved, uh, is that you, God? <laughs> I'll, I'll love to share that with you when it's appropriate, um, that, that part. Because um, what I'm finding is, is that God is already working in, in our lives in a, in, a, in a remarkable way already as uh, we have started. I believe that God is getting ready to do um, one of the greatest things, um, sorry, Flipping now more into our passage. Jesus is getting ready to do one of the greatest things ever done in history. He's going to be entering into Jerusalem for the purpose of giving up his life for us. He's going to make payment for our shame and our guilt, which the Bible says is sin. 
I should let you know that some of what I share this morning comes from uh, uh, a message that Lou Giglio gave some time ago. The story is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. It'll come up on the screen behind me, and if you have your Bible in whatever form you have, you may want to turn there. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. This passage you'll come to know as the passage of the triumphant entry. And as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now, Jesus isn't asking a lot. He says to them, when you enter the town, you'll find a big donkey and a little donkey, and I want you to bring them to me. Verse 3, if anyone says anything to you, say to that, say to that person, the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So there's a particular guy in the town who has a big donkey and a little donkey. You're with me? Verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now I'm not sure whether you've ever seen this before, but Jesus at some point in this processional is not only going to ride the big donkey, but he's going to ride the little donkey. I've never seen that before, but that is there. That certainly would be one interpretation if you took that literally. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to ride on, to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to be alert to your word this morning. Make it come alive. May it be more than just a story that we've heard a zillion times, but may it be a story that we can be a part of. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Out of this story, we're going to learn four principles about how generosity makes no sense. First one is, in generosity, God asks us for something, and for some of us, that makes no sense. For many of us, that makes no sense. God could have made a donkey, but he didn't. He decided instead to involve us in this story. In fact, the fact that God asks us to whom he has made and asks us for anything to borrow stuff from us Makes no sense. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For us, the conversation may look like this. So Lord, you're asking me to give back some of the money you gave me in the first place so that you could use it for something you want to accomplish. Why do you bother to count me in in that in any way? Jesus could have said, tell the guy to give me a donkey and and my colt, but instead he didn't. He said, tell the man that I need them, and he freely gave it. The children in our lives give us wonderful examples of all kinds of things. How many of you have ever been to McDonald's? 
been there. I was there with my kids once, my youngest son. We're down there, we're having munching on a Happy Meal. He is. I need something bigger than a Happy Meal. So uh, we're munching along, and he's, he's uh, working on his fries there, and you know, I, I, uh, I look at him, and I, I start to reach my hand across to grab a fry. What does he do? He slaps my hand. I said, you little ripper. I thought to myself, do you not realize that daddy could buy every French fry in this whole city if I chose, if I really wanted to? Now, I don't think it would go well in our budget, and I don't think my wife would really like that. But I, I could do that if I wanted. But I, I, I wanted one of his fries. He, didn't really, was, he really wasn't interested in that. couple weekends ago had opportunity of being with some of our grandkids and I observed something very interesting. One of our little grandsons was playing with a couple toys. Another grandson from another family was off in the distance. The other grandson thought maybe he should come and play with one of the toys that the one grandson in front of me had. I noticed something very interesting. That as the other grandson started to move across the, across the room, what did this grandson do? He actually started, he started to move around to protect the two toys he had out of the zillion other toys that were there. He actually moved around so that the other grandson couldn't touch it. I said, oh, you little ripper. I didn't say that to him, but I thought in my head... And then I thought, a very personal example, <clears throat> that I have been just like him. Three, four weeks ago, when we were getting things ready for our, our cafe, talking with an organization that is in food relief, it's called Lionheart, and they get all of the bread and they redistribute it every day they get this bread from Cobb's Bakery, and they redistribute it. And so we talked to them and said, you know what, we could use some sweets. Maybe you could bring some scones over, some muffins. And they did. They brought that. And then with that, he said, there was like 10 totes full of bread. Can you use anything else? We said, sure. We could, leave, we could, we could give some of this stuff away. So not only did we get some sweets that we used that we gave out on our, on our day, the remembrance of a tornado, but, but also we had these other sweets and some, uh, these other bread, and some of it went in our freezer over there. And Then I ashamedly, I admit to you this morning, I found myself thinking, we're obviously we're going to give all this, we're going to give this bread away. But you know what? I, I like sourdough bread. I like raisin bread. And I found myself swooping up some of that bread and I took home some of that bread and I put it in my freezer. Out of a man that does not live in scarcity, but we live among a people that for them, bread might be scarce. There are times in my life that as much as I want to snicker I'm a little grandson, 
then I'm way more like him. There's something that's in me that drives me to protect, that drives me to believe that if I don't take care of this, then no one else will. When God asks us for something, it makes no sense to us. He just asks us. And he wants us to freely, freely give it. Principle number two. Jesus rides into town on the generosity of ordinary people. That was part of his plan for his son Jesus to use ordinary people to fulfill the task of helping Jesus do what Jesus was going to do. He's going to use the, 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 the simpleness of these two donkeys to allow Jesus to do one of the greatest things that would ever happen. The beginning of Palm Sunday. And that is what God is thinking about for this city. He wants the whole city to be stirred by the generosity of God's people. He wants the city to know what it is that when people are generous and giving out of their abundance, not out of our scarcity, out of what God provides for us, that there's going to be something amazing that's going to happen. And that somehow you're going to be swallowed up and somehow I'm going to be swallowed up in the miracle of it all. God uses the generosity of ordinary people. Third principle. Our generosity writes us into the story of God. It writes us into the story of God. Listen, the the guy who had the two donkeys is recorded in the Bible. In all four Gospels, he shows up in the story of the Bible. I'm not in the Bible, and none of the rest of you are in the Bible. We're just mentioned somewhere for the future. An ordinary guy, guy simply gave Jesus his donkey. Isn't it crazy that God who is the beginning and the end, God who is the Alpha and the Omega, would choose to use a person and to write us into the story. But there had to be a willingness for that individual to be written into the story. And there's times when, out of the scarcity, I very well might miss what it is that God wants to do that God wants to bless so many other people. And I've got stinking bread in my freezer. He wants to write us in the story. That to me is an amazing thing. God doesn't need to write us in the story. He doesn't really need you and me to be involved in that. But he in his, his wisdom and godly design says, listen, I'm inviting you ordinary, to be a part of the extraordinary, to be a part of something bigger. A few places he used this. He wrote the boy with the five loaves and the two little fishes that he gave to Jesus. He's in the story. He did that with Joseph of Arimathea. 
We wouldn't know anything about Joseph of Arimathea other than out of, the genus, out of his generosity, he let Jesus borrow his tomb for three days even though he thought he was giving his tomb forever. The prophet who was quoted in the story is a guy named Zechariah who said that Jesus would in fact come into the city of Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey and he made that prophecy 500 years before it ever happened. So think about it. This one ordinary guy, out of the generosity of one man, fulfilled God's destiny for an entire city and for a nation and for the world. And you know what? God wants to do the same thing with us today. We read the stories, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how God moves. I want to say to you today that God still wants to move in our church and in our lives today. Does anybody believe that? This is true. We should ought to be excited about that. He wants to write us into the story. Because the best part of the story is yet to be told. Last principle, principle number four. You thought, oh man, that guy, he's got four principles up here. We're going to be here forever. He's going to go home and get some of that bread and bring it back over here. Number four. You always get back more than you give. You always get back more than you give. Now that should never be our motive for being generous, to get back anything, but in fact, as you look at the stories and the principles of God, that is how it works. It, it just does. I, I don't give to get. I, there's, there's prosperity gospel, and there's, you know, you give me 10 bucks, and God's going to give you 100 bucks, and I'm not so big on that. I give him 10 bucks because he asked me to give him 10 bucks. He asked me to do this. He asked me to use my skills. He gave them to me anyways. I freely give them back. It is a spiritual axiom. If you give anything to God with a motive of kindness and generosity, guess what? You'll get back. The guy with his donkeys, what happened? He freely gave his two donkeys, big donkey and little donkey. At the end of the day, where were the donkeys? Anybody know? Back home in the stable. Those two donkeys didn't get crucified, right? Jesus just needed to borrow them just for a little while. I can imagine the guy during the processional of Jesus going into Jerusalem that people are lined up for several miles and they're waving branches and they're singing, Hosanna to God in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, things are going crazy. I can envision that guy walking along just kind of thinking, those are my donkeys. Those are my donkeys. Have there ever times when you just sit back and on and you go, that, just, that is just absolutely amazing what God did there. I don't know, I don't know that I would normally say this. <clears throat> but something happened to me last Sunday. Not unusual, but it was unusual. I got called to go to the bedside of an aunt that, was, that sounded like she was dying. Not unusual. I'd had the funeral for her husband, who's my uncle, my mother's older brother. And I've had the privilege of being with them and walking with their family, kind of as a family priest. Because they really don't go to church anywhere. 
But when I got called to the bedside, I came to the family first in the, in the quiet room, and I, I, I was with them, and I had prayer with them. And then I went in with the three kids, and we went into the room. She had suffered a major heart attack the week before. She, she got through that, never went to seek medical attention. There she is in the hospital bed. She's sitting up. She's quite conscious. Gives me a hug and a kiss. We talk just small chat for probably two minutes. And do you know what's on her heart? Because you see, as a little girl, she went to a free Methodist church in a little town. And do you know what's on her heart as she's thinking about death and dying? She says, I want Jesus in my heart. Can you help me? And so for the next two minutes, had the opportunity of helping her to invite Jesus into her heart because she was sorry for her sin. And in that moment, to prepare her for glory. Why do I say that? Because in God's wisdom, I don't understand it at all. I was, rem- I was reminded several time, times by my cousins that I went to school with, at public school with, that I was a very bad boy when I was little. They kept bringing this up. I said, I don't remember that. Just that I knew the custodian very well. But how God could use a little boy who was very bad to be somehow used of him in the moment when one person relied on an individual to tell them the way home. And it has rocked my world from Sunday till now. How God could choose to use an individual with their gifts and their abilities and write me somehow into his story is amazing. Three kids, as they sat by mom's bedside, their mom's bedside, and they would tell their kids, and I would mention it again at the celebration of life that we had for her on Thursday, they would say again in their own words, But after mom received Jesus, there was a sense of peace that filled that room. And we could just see that mom breathed much more easily and that there was something that happened during that moment. And I was in awe once again. It wasn't financial, but it was to be allowed to be used of God for such a time as this. As it would turn out, we would drive home from Ottawa. We would drive home from Kingston. When we got home, within two hours, my aunt passed away from this life into the next. Talking about squeezing it in. Doesn't need to be that way. But it was. Just at the right moment, just at the right time, God allowed me to use the gifts that he had given me. God wrote that man and his two donkeys into his story. This man, this guy, is responsible for helping to fund Palm Sunday, something that we would remember in our Christian calendar. We would remember the triumphal entry of Jesus for the rest of time. Out of his generosity, he gave. That one guy provided a big donkey and a little donkey, 
and it catalyzed Palm Sunday, and we're sitting here today because of that. And you know what? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really make any sense. That God would let us be part of it, and he would invite us and move us towards it. How did that guy get back more than he gave? He got back his two donkeys. And how did he get back more? By funding Palm Sunday through his generosity and and letting Jesus borrow his two donkeys. But in return, God funded our salvation by offering up his lamb to be sacrificed for our sins. You want to talk about things that don't make sense? Doesn't make any sense. What God gave up out of his love for us. That doesn't make any sense. Now here's something that's not crazy. God is generous. And so should we be. This is such a big idea, such a driver in the Christian life. God is generous, so should we be. What is so amazing that the God who is generous invites us to be part of that plan and for us to be generous as well? The God who gave his son out of generosity invites us to be generous in the continuation of the telling of his story. I'd I'd like to say that the story of Arlington Woods is, is still being written. The ink on the page is still wet. There will be people that will look back at the glory days of where we have come from, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is our heritage. But I want to say to us this morning, as I shout, as I shouldn't, with passion, want to say to you that the best years for Arlington Woods are yet ahead of us. Never forget that. God is stirring and quite miraculously helped us in our first campaign as we got involved. And since then, there have been more that have become involved at Arlington Woods. The calling God has for us to rebuild for his kingdom, for this community, and for the next generation has not gone away. If anything, the beat of God beats stronger today than even then. The call of generosity is a call to trust God by faith to help us to pay it forward to a people and a generation who have yet to hear and to know the gospel. It's for the people that aren't here this morning. I'm not saying the people that normally would come here. I'm talking about the people that are yet to come to Canada, the ones that live down the corner that don't go to church anywhere, people around our world that are coming to this nation, to this city, To the people that have never been introduced to Jesus, in the future there are going to be more people introduced to Jesus and this church is going to be part of that. Because as we move forward in generosity, God is going to pour himself out more in more ways than we've ever could even begin to imagine. I'm excited about that. I trust you are too. Let's pray together. You know, Father, in, in my life, I'll say how easy it is for me to be like that example of my little grandson who just wants to put, him, put his arms around and protect and live out of scarcity and to not really be as generous with the things that you've given me. Often, I often think, you know, in being generous and helping others, 
by me giving things away, I, I wonder how on earth it's possible that that would ever help me in my situation. But that word of being, it's more blessed to give than to receive, is true. Not because I read it in a textbook, but because it is your word and because I personally have found it to be true. So Lord, as you continue to work in our hearts, whether pay it forward is ever a part of that equation is, is beside the fact that you would enlarge our faith to trust you in more than just what we see. Thank you that you write us into the story and that you invite us to be part of the story. If there's anything, Father, that you want to move in our hearts, talk to us about today. Help us to be faithful, to seek after you in that regard. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.